Hello once again, it's the Leadership and Insurance Podcast. This is part two of our VC and CVC uh, venture podcast, which was filmed live at InsurTech Insights Europe, based in London. In this episode, we're very lucky to be joined by Javier from Monday Ventures, Martin from Momentum Fintech, Simon from QB Ventures, and Zinnia from Plug and Play. We wanted to get their views on the market, what's happening in 2023, what do things like ITI mean to them, what do they, how do they utilize them, and realistically, what's the venture appetite for the market going forward into this um, exciting year of InsureTech. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Martin, thanks for joining me. Um, it'd be wonderful if you could introduce yourself and, and obviously the, the fund that you work for. Sure, yeah. My name is Martin Holman. I'm a partner at Augmentum Fintech. Uh, we uh, are slightly unusual in that we are a public listed uh, fund, which means we have permanent capital, which kind of changes slightly the nature of how we invest. It means we can be patient investors. It means we can also take uh, short-term uh, pre-IPO type, uh, type investments as well in a way that other uh, venture capital funds might struggle. Uh, we're multi-stage, uh, although our sweet spot is largely at Series B. We're investing checks between five and I guess up to 15 million sterling as lead or co-lead at uh, Series B and leading at Series A. We have 25 uh, companies in the portfolio, totally fintech focused uh, with a pan-European mandate. And I've been in venture capital now for around 10 years. Earlier in my career, I was, one, I was, with, one of the, uh, was with the early team at Betfair. Uh, and prior to that, um, uh, I was uh, at, at uh, Boston Consulting Group for six years and from Betfair, I spun out a company called LMAX, which is uh, now doing very well in the FX and the, uh, and the digital asset trading space. Awesome. Thank you very much. So your, your uh, broader fintech focus at ITI, the InsureTech event, um, how much of, a, uh, of the portfolio is, 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 would you say, InsureTech, if at all? We've had a very <clears throat> um, a, a somewhat sceptical approach to uh, InsureTech over the last five years. We've, we've been a little bit nervous about uh, consumer-led MGA-type uh, uh, investments, mm -hmm. um, those uh, that, that are centered around a premise of, in, in, of improving the customer experience uh, as, a, as, a, as a driver of growth, um, trying to emulate what the neobanks effectively did five years, 10 years previous to that. We, we kind of surmise that actually that experience, even if it is a bit crusty at times, is not necessarily uh, the, dri the, the driver of growth because people don't interact with insurance every day, uh, small problems don't become large, and insurance is uh, certainly on a consumer perspective largely driven by price. Mm -hmm. So we've kind of avoided those insurtech, what I've called insurtech 1.0 investments. Um, and we've kind of been looking increasingly over the last two years for prospects that um, are applied in the core stack of uh, the largest cost buckets of, uh, of carriers where, where incumbent carriers where liquidity has remained. And that is in automation and efficiency in the OPEX and, uh, claim, and accuracy and resilience and claims. Mm. Uh, and then uh, over and above that, data-enabled opp opportunities which enable new lines of insurance to be insured. And that's where we placed our first, um, our first investment. We've gone early stage in our multi-stage strategy. We've invested in a company called Baobab, which is uh, a cyber, cyber security MGA, mm -hmm. uh, offering SME cyber insurance and monitoring capabilities. And we believe that's a massive growth market in the US. There's a significant lead. There's, there's created some large, significant 
uh, InsureTech players in Coalition and Corvus and the like. Uh, and we believe that the field is open in Europe for, uh, for, 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 for new, new InsureTechs like Baobab to do the same. A little smile when you said that because we've had them on the uh, podcast. Which we had them very early on. Um, uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, we, we, we helped them introduce them to some of the sort of technology team. Um, we didn't do it, but we literally sort of we, we got involved in them very early. And um, yeah, that complements what we do. We're, we're essentially a multi stage um, uh, recruitment search firm. So um, yeah, we, we spoke to them very early on and, and we liked the team. That's why it was kind of nice to see them get the investment that they did. Yeah, we're impressed by uh, Vincent. He's a, he's a very a uh, gifted entrepreneur, he's you know, obviously had pr previous success with his previous ventures, mm -hmm. backed well by, already by Project A in Berlin, mm. uh, and we're very happy to join, uh, to, to, to join the journey, if you like. Yeah, yeah, great. Um, that's exciting. And so yeah, what, do, what do events like this mean for someone that comes from the venture space? Um, yeah, what's, what, what do you do to utilise your time here? Is it, is it just like pure networking opportunities? Is it an opportunity to learn? Yeah, really, what do you take away from these type of events? Both of the above, really. I mean, yeah. you know, given, given that um, you know, my focus is increasingly, has, has been increasingly on InsureTech, on insure we've successfully welcomed the first investment into the portfolio. We see great opportunities here opening up. You know, as a Series B investor, you get the benefit of seeing what's happening at seed and early, early, early investment patterns, and we can see some of those uh, some of those thesis ideas that I mentioned earlier being played out. Mm. You know, now coming through into late Series A, Series B, uh, and looking for you know funds like us to back them. So I think there is uh, some you know excitement in that uh, in that premise, and I'm looking to build our presence in the insure tech space. So totally about networking, meeting some of the companies that are, you know might not have. Um, uh, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd like to reach out to, but also um, uh, to, to, to make new contacts, and that's with the incumbent carriers and reinsurers as well, because they are often running innovation labs. They see lots of the deal flow. Mm -hmm. you, you know, the huge priority for us as an investment firm is to have a you know good access to a, a advantaged access to deal flow, and we can only do that by being out there and knowing the players in the space. So that's that's largely what I'm here for. And I'm surprised by the scale of it, actually. I mean, <laughs> you know, previous years this has been more more of a low key event, but actually it's uh, it's certainly gaining traction, momentum, and I think that's just a reflection of the focus on insure tech that we have, uh, you know, increasingly from the venture community today. Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, yeah, we're uh, hard on the magic of a podcast to tell people, but we were at a very good vantage point to see this huge queue yeah. that was, it was you know, many hundreds of meters long. So uh, thankfully, it looks like everyone's in now. Um, uh, just wanted to ask you about collaboration in the, in the venture community, because I think one thing that surprised me, I used to work in corporate insurance, uh, you know, they, it wasn't the venture world, but now we work with startups and scale-ups for, for our business. We work it, you know, increasingly with VCs and CVCs. It's a very collaborative marketplace. Mm. Um, is that your experience of it? Do you work very closely with, with other venture firms that maybe uh, uh, complement what you do? Is, is there a big sense of community there? Yeah, I would say uh, 100%. I mean, um, we're, not, we're not buyout investors where mm. you're competing against other funds to be able to make the deal because there can only be one majority shareholder. Mm. Um, we're looking for minor, you know, larger minority stakes in early stage companies. And it's rare, I think, particularly today, that, that one venture firm, obviously there are exceptions, but it's rare that one venture firm will take the entire round for... for uh, for, for, for an investment proposition, you mm -hmm. know, certainly at Series B, look, looking, you know, 25, 30, 50, even 50 million uh, investment round, it's, 
there's, there's, fewer, there's fewer investors who want to shoulder or have the pockets to shoulder that, that type of investment at that type of stage with the execution risks that's, that are inherent in any, any early stage company. And to have co-investors around the table who can also contribute in future, future fundraising rounds and add their network and their value add and their specific expertise uh, into, into the board discussion. So, so yes, in a sense, everyone's competing for similar deals, um, but uh, there will, as I say, there will rarely be a, a single investor mm. who completes a given deal. So that you know, there'll be a syndicate, whether it's co-lead or a single lead, and, and a set of follower investors. Um, you know, sometimes jostling for position for a board seat, say, or, or whatever. Uh, but 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 yes, it's 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 rarely. It's really purely competitive. I'd say there's a bit of sort of co-opetition going on in, mm. in the space, and that's you know that's that's traditionally always been always been the pattern of activity in venture capital. Yeah, I love that co-opetition. Um, and, and I suppose um, lastly, what I wanted to ask you was, you know, we get a lot of people that are looking to raise or, or in, in in startups, and and what what's the best way? to approach someone like yourself, what's important for you now? And, and I suppose what I'm probably getting to is, has that question set, has that screening set evolved over the past so 12 months as the macroeconomic environment has changed? Look at the, the base layer of any early stage loss-making business is, 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 is essentially three, three things, certainly at the very earliest stage. It's, you know, is the team uh, is, it, is, it, is it a capable team? Are you excited by the entrepreneur that's facing you? Is, is there a, a very clear uh, market op opportunity? You know, it needs to be global, it needs to be a significant market size in order to be venture scale. I won't bore you with the maths, but you know, it needs to be, you, you need to believe that the company can reach 100 million revenue with, with low single digit market share, i.e. Not, not gaining a significant overall global market share. Um, and then thirdly, is there a very clear uh, value proposition? Uh, are they meeting a very uh, clear market need? And now those three, those three things sort of evolve as you go along and you can add nuance and you can add analysis, particularly as the company gains traction and starts to build you know, sales engines and efficiencies, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but you know, the, those, and, and we have a set of characteristics that we look for as a set of hygiene factors, but the, over and above that, it, there, there, are, there are various other factors as well, which are you know, all part of, can this be a venture, effectively what you're asking is, can this be a venture scale business, which as I say, needs to be you know, uh, capable of, of good growth, great scalability, and reaching significant revenues without taking significant market share. Awesome. Martin, and for someone that works in the finding of good people. I love the fact you started with the team first. Um, yeah, no, 100% on the team. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> brilliant. Martin, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate thank, it. Thanks. So brilliant. I'm here with uh, Javier. Javier, if you'd be kind enough to introduce yourself and, and the, the, the funds you work for. Sure. Um, well, I'm, I'm Javier Sanchez. I'm investment associate here in, well, in, in Mundi Ventures, VC uh, specialized in InsurTech. As Mundi Ventures, we are, uh, we are managing north of uh, 500 million euros in Several funds, being in its biggest funds, the uh, InsurTech, and our biggest focus, uh, the InsurTech fund, and from what are we known. Um, in terms of, uh, we have two InsurTech funds. Uh, one, it was funded, it was raised in, in, 200, in, in 2019, uh, already invested, mainly focusing on, on Europe. And now, last year, uh, we raised the second fund, 250 million, 50 million fund to invest in, in, in Series A, Series B, mm -hmm. uh, depending on the size of the, the, the ticket size will depend obviously if we are leading, co-leading or, or following on. Uh, 
our biggest, our, our main um, focus will be uh, the US and, uh, and, and, and Europe because mm -hmm. of our LPs structure mainly, but we are also very, very interested in some other emerging markets as LATAM and, and some other markets. In terms of uh, our key value proposition, uh, I would say it's mainly uh, our LPS structure. So not only the vertical expertise that we have in the in the industry, but also the LP structure that as we are a totally independent VC. Mm -hmm. So we, we the, in the IC, it's only people who works actually in, in Mundi, but we are very, very close to those like uh, insurance players ha that have invested in us. Around 70-80% of our LPs are insurance incumbents, and we are very close uh, we, we work very, very close with them. We have these monthly meetings where we not only share the investments, but we do some reference calls to check the business models that we are looking at and also share some deal flow that maybe from the investment perspective is not that interesting, mm -hmm. but for the strategic uh, perspective, it could be interesting for them because they are meeting some of the strategic challenges that they, that they have. Awesome. Yeah, you're a very big fund. And, and I'm, I'm intrigued because um, you, know, you obviously deployed First fund you know, efficiently and quickly and, and well. Um, you into very notable investments. And I'm wondering, like, the macroeconomic environment's changed dramatically over that period of time. Has has the thesis changed? Are the things that you're looking for changed? Um, and and if I might dig a little deeper, does that how you screen and what you question um, your investments on has that changed slightly? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. At the end, uh, with the second second fund. Uh, we are trying to do things more uh, as an expert, let's say. Mm -hmm. So in the first fund, uh, we, we got very good companies that are performing very, very well and have uh, really good names yeah. and, that's, and, and actually are performing very well. Uh, but now with the second fund, we are focusing more in doing investment thesis driven investments. Mm -hmm. So for example, uh, just a quick example, last summer, we were working on the embedded insurance that everyone was speaking about. Yeah. And we, we deep dive a bit on, a, a lot on the, on, the, on the trend. And we get to invest in, in NIT. NIT Insurance is a French company uh, focusing on developing very innovative micro-insurance products mm -hmm. and place them on the, where the customer really needs them. Mm -hmm. uh, and that uh, adding it to, the, to, the, um, to having a great team with great traction, mm -hmm. it was a clear win for us because uh, we, we explore more than 150 companies that they were saying doing that they were saying that they were doing uh, embedded insurance but we what we realized is that and, and we have all seen many startups saying that they do embedded insurance but at the end they are somehow tech providers for mm -hmm. the big insurance companies that they need just a digital arm or a, a tech provider to to be able to distribute digitally mm -hmm. and uh, that's not really embedded insurance and embedded insurance it's something very, very focused on, on product mm -hmm. and, uh, and on the customer and, and their needs. Yeah. So at, uh, uh, and speaking and getting back to, to your question and uh, what, what we see last year obviously was a very tough year for everyone, especially after summer. Mm -hmm. uh, it is true that uh, we think that 2023 will be something similar, uh, at least during the next six months, let's say the first half of the year. But it's true that uh, in January, when we started reading about many of the trends that these generalistic VCs or even fintech focused VCs were talking again about insurtech, the opportunity ahead, and uh, that is it's going to be become something big. Okay, we, we like that, but uh, actually we love it, but neither too much or too little optimism. Mm -hmm. uh, it is true that nowadays uh, we truly think that those VCs that really understand the business models in the insurtech space and uh, and will get back to investing in fundamentals of the insurtech will be able to identify great deal opportunities. Uh, but um, and 
many investors have already created those short list of um, promising startups or winner startups. For example, maybe Series A, Series B uh, startups that raise in 2021 that they will need cash uh, for the following for the next, uh, this next year, next months. Mm -hmm. So, um, as I was saying, as in Mundi, we are focusing on, on developing this investment thesis driven investments to try to identify who, who are the winners in, in those, uh, in, within those trends and, and, and technologies. Mm. Do, you, do you think, sorry, just to interrupt, Javier, do, do you think sometimes the broader funds that didn't specialize in short tech, that's where the kind of over speculation happened, yeah. just tracking away from fundamentals, where if you understand insurance, even as a guy that runs a recruitment company, I was looking at certain kind of raises just going, well, the fundamentals don't stack. And, and I mean, I used to work in insurance, but either as an outsider looking in, and then it surprised me that some of these valuations, but, but are we tracking much more towards the kind of fundamentals and focus? And, and even your competitors in the VC world, or collaborators, because it's quite a friendly environment, are we going to just see more of kind of almost traditional fundamental analysis of insurance plays? Yeah, no, that, that definitely. At the end, uh, 2021 was, was crazy in, in that aspect, not only because of the FOMO and the hype of investing in insurtechs because of the IPOs, big IPOs that we saw. Mm -hmm. But uh, at the same time, now we are seeing uh, a lot of startups focusing on th those challengers in insurtechs that were focusing on purely on, on, on distribution. Mm -hmm. Now they are pivoting and, and going more to the fundamentals in terms of, okay, underwriting is very important, product mm -hmm. is very important, and then loss ratio, it's very, very important. So it's not about only selling, yeah. but also you know, it's about knowing how to manage what you sell and, and the risk that you, you accept. Yeah. So point. yeah, in, in terms of looking ahead to 2023, it's, it's a great opportunity because now we are starting to to, to, to work on our, our annual report that we usually uh, launch in, in June. Mm -hmm. um, it will be launched in the, in the other uh, big um, insurance event uh, regarding InsurTech. In New York? Or? No, in, in Europe, in Europe. Oh, the, yeah. In, in June, in ITC, ITC Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll be so, there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see you then. Um, so we are, we are starting to work uh, again in that report. Uh, we are doing it again with, uh, with Deal Room and, uh, part, uh, and some of our LPs. Mm -hmm. and, and last year, and we were reviewing what we, we said the, the, the other day, and, and we, we talked about, the, as I was saying, challengers, insurtech, pivoting. Uh, also, we talk about embedded insurance, the win-win-win uh, opportunity for not only insurtech, insur uh, insurance company, but also for the distribution partners and also mm -hmm. the, the, the customers. Mm -hmm. Um, we talk about uh, silver economy. We all, we all know that people is living longer. Yeah. It's working longer, mm -hmm. and uh, the, um, the technology the technology use of the, the, that segment of the population is even uh, even more. Um, so we, it's something to, to, to close to, to look very very close. But at, at the same time, we haven't seen very much appetite on the on the VC world. But because of the type of companies and the brand that they need to, to build. We also talk about climate risk. Uh, that's something also to uh, close very, very low. So everything related to water issues, floods, fires. Mm -hmm. At the end, deep tech technology that helps somehow to assess better the, the risk. Mm -hmm. Also the um, safety prevention. So not only in PNC, like telematics and IoT, how that will help the PNC world and understand better the risk, but also in the life and health space. Sure. Also engaging the customer and, and trying to um, work, uh, engage the customer through the gamification of the experience, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, 
I, we truly thought that those trends that we, we spoke about that are going to be still he, big thing, but we also be open to, to, to see many others one coming. Obviously, M&A and consolidation in the market, not only in the short tech pipe, but also some insurance incumbents um, buying potentially some, some insure techs or even brokers we have already seen in, in many countries here in Europe. Uh, then we will also see, obviously, customer experience. It's something very important. And uh, I read the other day one, one article from my very good friend, uh, Hugh Bertin, uh, Digital Insurance in LATAM. Mm -hmm. And he was, he was talking about that not only it's digital transformation, that's something we can say, okay, we are working on it, and that's something that we all know are aware of that. But now it's more about humanization of the digital, uh, of the digitalization. Yeah. It's, it's something that we will need to think uh, a lot. Obviously, open insurance is something that we will be looking at in, in that space. It's true that the, the regulator, uh, we will need to wait for the regulator to say something in order to assess what is the true potential of that. Sure. Obviously, now with the macroeconomic conditions, uh, um, the macroeconomic environment, we will see also many companies, insurance uh, incumbents focusing on, on efficiency and cost reductions. Mm -hmm. So everything related to fraud detection, claims, payments, uh, that's something we are very, very uh, looking forward to, to see. And obviously we will uh, look uh, at the generative AI, AI, AI and everything. We, we saw ChatGPT getting to 100 million users in less than three months. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We will need to see and address what are the use cases for, for that. But uh, at the end, uh, that's something we will, we will uh, some of the trends that we will uh, look around. I, I guess many, many of the companies that will be here today at the event uh, will cover at least one of mm -hmm. those of those um, uh, of those trends. But for sure, many, many others that are probably missing. Oh yeah, that's been brilliant. Thank you so much. It sounds like you got you got almost everyone you can look at from a little perspective. And and just lastly, before I let you go, if you, what would be your like quick tip for someone here who's trying to raise their, their Series A, what, what's the best way to go about that in the current environment? What's the best way to approach that? Yeah, what we are telling our portfolio, our own portfolio companies, that's something that we, it's not something that we, a new question for, for us is that obviously, and I don't want to be very repetitive of what other people say, but at the, at the same time, it's being very cost efficient, mm -hmm. uh, focus a lot on the runway, don't spend uh, one euro if you don't need to spend it. Mm -hmm. And if you're raising something, uh, don't, don't go for the big number. Understand where are you spending the money that you will be looking to raise. Mm -hmm. So if you want to raise five million, you need to know where you're going to spend the, that full amount of money yeah, yeah. and not open to one more million because uh, there's an opportunity because now market conditions will be pushing a bit maybe on, on, on your dilution. Mm -hmm. So I, I would recommend to be very cost efficiency in terms of, uh, of the cash. Brilliant. Oh, yeah. Great advice. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate yep. it. Great. I'm, I'm lucky to be joined by Simon. Um, Simon, if you kind of to introduce yourself and who you work for. Yeah. Hi, Alex. Thanks for having me. So uh, Simon Pink, I work for QBE Ventures. Um, Head of uh, Emerging Tech for QBE Ventures here in or here in Europe, really, um, working with one of my colleagues. So my background's technology, mm -hmm. uh, not within insurance, but I'm loving the journey of learning about insurance, the industry, um, how it operates, and actually potentially how it should operate. 
Yeah. Um, how, how long have you been with QBE Ventures? Uh, nearly 12 months now. So, so right, so um, first, the first year. I've just almost, yeah, ticked off the first year. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's been great. It's, it's genuinely been really, uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, really, just really enjoyed getting under the skin of this industry and actually trying to make a difference. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that you come from a, the, the CVC space. And, and we, we mentioned just off, just off air um, uh, that there's always a slightly different agenda for, for a CVC. Um, but I found it interesting that you were coming in without that insurance background and, and bringing that technology mindset. Um, you obviously joined 12 months ago. That's a very deliberate plan from QBE. What, what does that mean in kind of practical terms in terms of what you might be interested in as opposed to a sort of insurance background person? Yeah, so it's quite, it's been, um, so QBE Ventures, as a, so as a business, we are uh, a CVC, we are thesis driven. So we're building up uh, and targeting companies that are a strategic fit for our business. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we're quite myopic on that, we're quite strict on that. Mm -hmm. Um, as opposed to just generally good investments. We're trying to find businesses that actually can, uh, we can bring into the organization that actually they can use in the organization. In fact, from our portfolio, around about 90% of the companies that we've got investments with are used and consumed by QBE in some way, shape or form around, around the globe. Um, and that's, that's a model that uh, A, gives us focus, uh, and uh, B, it gives, us, it, it gives us that benefit, that upside benefit, because you can learn on that journey. You're learning from these early stage companies. The tech side, so uh, yeah, um, heartened by the fact that you know there's a there's a double act here. So I've come in to, to the UK and to Europe as the techie. Um, mm -hmm. My background is applying technology to large large scale um, uh, businesses, financial services organisations, and I've got a colleague who I work with whose uh, background is in insurance, and uh, mm -hmm. um, she's got that. She brings that depth and breadth of the insurance industry, and it's and it's quite a good team in how we can actually a understand the challenges that we're trying to tackle. You know, within our own organisation and within the industry. And then how we can apply technology in smart and creative ways and sustainable ways to actually help um, further our respective businesses. That sounds like a almost like a much more practical approach to innovation, really, for for an insurance company to, to have the CV function that is focused on what complements us. Almost like you should be the primary user of most of this tech. Is is that? I think so. One of the things that attracted me to QBE Ventures what twelve months ago now was. Um, was just that. I'd worked in my previous life, I was working in a consulting, consulting side of business uh, and I'd worked with too many innovation firms that were, were toothless. Mm -hmm. um, they, didn't have the, they didn't have the finance or the backing or the, you know, the board visibility to actually take some really magic, some great ideas mm -hmm. that make a real difference to their business and apply that. What we've got within uh, QB Ventures and the other CVCs I'd expect um, is that ability to actually make a difference, to take that good idea, to nurture that idea, to work as a, as a multifaceted team uh, and actually uh, apply that in a way that's going to actually move the needle on our business, and that's quite that's quite exciting. It's not it's not a talking shop, as it were. It's actually yeah. we're putting real money and real people and real energy behind some quite exciting ideas. Mm. That's, that's interesting feedback because as someone that works in the recruitment industry, as, as people will know, um, we quite often get that conversation about consultancy. That, that actually you don't nobody wants to sit on the sidelines forever. You want to go in and implement change and actually make that happen. So having that ownership is important. Um, uh, are any of your portfolio companies here that you've invested in today? Uh, yeah, one or two. So we've got I know Tensor Flight here. They've joined us um, mm -hmm. over from Poland. Uh, a great company. They were my. I've got an affection for them because when I, day one that was the company that I was speaking to. Oh, really? And how again how we can do some work and really kind of 
apply that, uh, the insight they give around, around property and property underwriting. Yeah. Um, I actually met those guys at this event last year. Did you? Uh, oh, yeah, awesome. just, just, just randomly in a, in a bar, as, as you do at these Excellent. things. Um, so yeah, I've got a bit of soft spot for them as well, because yeah. they, <laughs> they no, were good just, fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in terms of, um, you know, you're looking for uh, technology opportunities that complement the business, is there a particular area of focus for you at the moment? Is there specific things that you're going after? Yeah, so we are, um, so a few areas. Uh, cyber's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, as a techie, I'm quite, I'm quite attracted to that because, it, again, you're doing a lot of data and you can apply technology in some smart ways to get a better understanding of the risk and, and actually, more importantly, help our customers understand their risk and the risks they might be taking and how they can mitigate that and manage that. So I like the nature of, of that particular problem domain. In a sense, it's, it's a win-win. We can really help. Help those uh, help our customers become more resilient to potential cyber attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my the bit that I love at the moment is property, um, and we mentioned TensorFlight, and we've got um, another investment with a company called GeoSight and Geospatial Analytics and, and insight into some of the properties that we underwrite and how we could be smarter with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm finding property and, and how we insure property it, it, it's a mystery to me actually. <laughs> Um, and so come a bit more to be able to quantify that a little bit better using some technology uh, is a good problem to solve. Yeah, and it sounds like a, it feels like a solvable problem. Like it's all there. It's like it's, it's, it's it, strange that we haven't pieced it together yet. It should be, shouldn't it? Yeah, yeah you would think be. so. You would think so. Um, and, and lastly, you know, I, I'm always interested in this question because we get lots of people that are kind of raising or trying to raise or launching their own company. When someone's looking for investment and they're here at an event like this, what advice would you give them? What's what's the polite, impolite, wrong way to go about it, or how, how should someone go about trying to raise that? I think it's, um, I, I found, actually even, even ahead of this event, found myself speaking to a whole variety of companies, and the, the first filter is, is it in the kind of uh, scope of what, what we're looking at, as I say, or, or not, um, and that, that filters it out. I think, so A, target the VCs that have certainly got your um, interest at heart, and perhaps mm-hmm. not, not kind of carpet bomb everyone. Yeah. Um, and the um, uh, the second thing is be clear on the outcome. So if you're looking for investment, for what purpose, and actually what um, what is going to be the material business benefit as a result of that particular raise, mm-hmm. um, and mean it, um, would be my other advice. Mean it. I like that. <laughs> it, and, it, and it tracks what we've been hearing is like, don't raise more money than you need. Be mm. capital efficient than you have been. But you know, every dollar needs to kind of have a purpose. Yes, um, it does. Even if you've got opportunities to raise more. Yeah. Don't yeah. be greedy. Not right like now. Good morning. I'm really lucky to be joined by Xenia from Plug and Play. Um, how are you? Oh, doing fantastic. I'm really looking forward to, I think, 30 meetings scheduled for the next one, two days. Oh, well. So very, very excited and busy <laughs> that's uh yeah i think you're beating me i think i'm on 23 i was quite proud of myself i feel bad now um i would have i should have worked harder um so most people will know plug and play but it'd be great if you could sort of introduce where you connect to insuretech and, and what you what you guys do absolutely i am happy to so plug and play is a vc headquartered in the us actually but then around about six seven eight years ago we started branching out across the globe um, both in like industry specific, but also globally, like have I think fifty offices by now, um, focusing on different industries, trying to invest in the best startups out there. Uh, but then on the other side, also 
connecting these startups and beyond with corporations to, to collaborate, to work with each other, to invest, to acquire, what, whatever makes most sense for both sides. That appears to me like the, the magic source of plug and play, you know, that it's the proactive connectivity. In it. Um, would you say that's what it is? Because I think you, you being able to connect these startups with carrier partners, broker partners, it, it, that's what they're mostly look, are looking for. Um, Absolutely. Um, they're looking, I think there, there are different waves across like the, uh, along the innovation journey of sure. these insurers and carriers. Um, in the beginning, everyone's just scouting and looking for innovation. And this is something we, we are happy to push to corporations, mm -hmm. um, the pure inspirational part. But then at a the certain point of time, everyone is asking, okay, so what's the ROI of this like shopping around and looking around? Um, so that's when actually internally the corporations start to pull, like they're really asking for solutions, for pain points and, and to work with. And, and that's the other way around when we specifically match make uh, corporates and startups. Um, this, this can be within the insurance industry, but then the beauty of insurance is also that there are so many startups or use cases outside of insurance that mm -hmm. might be relevant for insurers though um so also looking in the other industries and then making the connect um it's uh it's my day today <laughs> yeah yeah we've had to get very comfortable internally with uh, we say we're an insure tech and insure tech adjacent uh, recruitment business now because we, the evolution of what people are looking at is whether it be climate tech or you know broader analytics plays and 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 bringing those in you know, even breaking down, like for example, the claims process. You know, yeah, there, there's so many things that are not purely in tech that are relevant. Um, what the macroeconomic environment has changed quite dramatically in the last 12, 18 months, two years, whatever, uh, yeah, and, and it continues to do. So, has that changed like the thesis or the things that you're looking at? Um, From an investment point of view, I think the developments throughout the last year didn't really change our dynamics or processes. Mm -hmm. Of course, uh, money is supposed to be like, or like difficult or like less available. Mm -hmm. um, people are more cautious when it comes to investments. But um, I think in that very early stage where we are investing, Ed, um, we are still very flexible, very active. I think the last year um, was, was again, one of our most active ones with over 200 investments we placed. Yeah. Um, so I think by, by the number of deals, we are currently seen as the most active investor, early stage investor globally. Um, but, but we've definitely seen that, uh, that the later stage rounds um, became more difficult to structure. Um, and, um, and this is something we are trying to support with, with the network. Mm, mm. How do you support your, your, your you, know, you invest in that early stage, how do you support them on their sort of maybe tricky second album as I, as I say as they go out to funding, ha have you felt the need to support your portfolios more strongly in that area because it has been more tricky to raise capital? Um, absolutely, I think uh, especially, um, I mean there are two ways, either, either you raise your funds through venture capital or mm -hmm. you actually generate business opportunities and mm -hmm. just uh, just ramp up the sales pipeline and, and this is what we've been doing 
like, very heavily. Um, so we have, a, a, since last year, I think a really proper portfolio support structure in place um, where we, um, we have a portfolio of over 1,000 startups, so that's probably just an add-on to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, so their structure is, uh, is important. Um, and um, and in, in the end, we are trying to generate sales opportunities either in the local markets, but also then help with like scaling, expanding. Probably had uh, London headquartered startup would like to scale to Singapore, so then bringing them together with carriers there, mm-hmm. um, with VCs there, um, helping them to find employees, um, even build up teams, um, adjust to local um, setups and requirements. Um, on the regulatory side, for example, this is uh, something we went in more heavily last year, yes. Yeah. Um, what's, um, what's interesting you at the moment? Are there particular points on the insurance value chain? Is there specific things that you're interested in? Like, you know, I'm slightly obsessed with claims technology. Everyone knows that because I used to work in claims. But um, um, is there any specific things that, that in 2023 you've got a particular focus on? Uh, claims is a good one. Uh, mm. We actually, I think, just in the last two or three weeks, we received three requests for like, sourcing and getting an overview of what's happening in the claims space. Um, so, so I thought this is already like everyone's past past this one because it's obvious the most tangible one from yeah. my side but, yeah, yeah. Um, but apparently it's coming back so it's a, like a second wave I'm excited to see that um, but when it comes to 2023 um, I think what what we are looking at a lot is um, how products distribution like actually every step along the value chain and in insurance adjusts to different audiences mm-hmm. um, both uh, when it comes to diversity, gender, etc., but also when it comes to age. Um, so silver economy is a massive buzzword. Everything around elderly care. How can you support elderly with um, how, how their homes are constructed, how like financial literacy, um, uh, when it, um, for elderly people that um, kind of like need to live another 10, 20, 30 years with, with what they have. So, mm. so how can they... Um, kind of like just structure their day to day in a in a good way. Um, elderly care, yes, um, but then also the other way around, Gen Z. Um, I mean, buzzword um, today uh, as well. I think multiple talks are structured around this, um, but it is there are differences. Mm-hmm. Um, so adjusting or accommodating this, and um, and even if it's just a trend, uh, but insurance companies tend to utilize this to also position themselves to to create visibility uh, brand awareness in the market when when it comes to really targeting these different audiences mm. it, it, yeah it, the gen z the sort of stuff does sound a bit buzzwordy but then i always think if you're building for that audience that is probably more embracing of change and more embracing of innovation as good for the industry anyway right because you're sort of talking about building technology for early adopters and then that bleeds into you know what we can deploy for the kind of maybe the broader market or even the silver economy as you say yeah yeah absolutely um i think uh, especially i mean communication channels are, are are something we need to think through like is is this is our standard way of um communicating all information about insurance products is is this the best way to do it sure. um, is TikTok a thing. I, I don't know that there yeah, I cannot yeah, I cannot yeah. give too much of recommendation, but um, these are 
um, these are things um, to think through. Uh, but then, like when it comes to age, yes, different uh, target groups. Um, but then also, um, I think we recently did a major research on the topic of uh, gender pension gap. Um, pay gap is one thing, but then mm. the pension gap is um, is is even uh, like more pressing to to address um, and seeing what different factors. Um, lead to these gaps um, and which startups are actually addressing these. Um, Lola Health is one of our portfolio companies mm. um, headquartered in France. They're like having specific insurance products for female, for uh, LGBTQ+, um, mm. and so on and so forth. Um, Rollshare is another portfolio company that uh, that's actually supporting um, changing roles throughout your life uh, like given like any maternity leave uh, periods and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so this is another area which we look at um, where we see startups um, defining new use cases um, every now and then. Yeah, That's, uh, yeah I, could, I could dive into that role share, but we've got to do, we've got to do a quick one because I'm, I'm really interested in that, particularly because of what we do. Um, I think lastly, I always want to ask you, you know, what, what do you, you've flown in this morning, um, you've definitely come the furthest for this meeting today, because most people flew in the day before. Um, what do these events mean for you? Are they just a chance, chance to catch up with portfolio companies? Or are you, do, you, do you look at new investments potentially here, or is it all of the above? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, a, it's a mix, actually. Uh, I mean, catch up with portfolio companies is good. Um, but we are especially at a conference like uh, Insurtech Insights. It's massive. I mm. mean, there are so many meetings mm. ongoing right now, mm. um, and um, we are really trying to find new startups to look at, to invest in, to work with, to recommend to the corporations we work with. Um, and then on the other side, of course, checking in with all the insurers, reinsurers. Like, uh, what are they doing here? What are they looking for? Um, and and understanding a little bit the like the poles of the of the market. Mm. I think uh, occasions or events like this are um, just a good opportunity for everyone at one space, mm-hmm. um, and um, you can just yeah um, have a normal coffee chat, not a Zoom meeting, not mm. a um, like email thread that's like hour long trying to find a meeting time in the next five weeks mm-hmm. um, so this is what uh, what we are looking for today it's uh, I, the face-to-face thing's fascinating because I know when we were obviously went through the pandemic and then people got used to working remotely and, and, and zoom um, one of my clients put it beautifully that, uh, that well, they became a client because they weren't able to be face-to-face and he said they'd done all the, always done their recruitment through whispers and rumors and so and so is unhappy and and and, it, and he, he used this uh, phrase to say face to face people are wonderfully indiscreet um and that's where the magic is and i think i think that's why these events are good um but i'd be remiss of me to let anyone from plug and play leave without telling me where the best parties are because when we were in vegas the plug and play people dragged us to the best party that we went to so um i'm hoping you're going to keep up the tradition and uh, tell us where the best parties are later uh, like I mean, uh, tonight <laughs> I know there are like three, four, five different events ongoing. We actually we have a separate event right now ongoing with uh, one of our partners, Jaguar Land Rover, um, um, a bit outside of the city centre, so fully focused on mobility. Yeah. Um. So that's definitely worth it. I think they do have an after party. But... <laughs> we'll see. We can't invite everyone from the Leadership Insurance Podcast, but uh, Xenia, you've been very generously time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.